You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. I hope you are having a fantastic new year. I'm having a very good new year, except I've had to go to the vet a lot already, and it's already young in the year. And I was at the vet's office the other day with one of my dogs. He's doing better now. And I started thinking, these poor dogs all around me are terrified of being at the vet's office. I need to talk about how to make the vet's office a much better experience for your dog and for your pet in general. If you have cats or or birds or any kind of pet, they don't have to hate the veterinarian. And I'm going to teach you how today on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio when we come back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. So I went to the vets the other day. Poor Sawyer has digestive issues. I won't go into details. They're not pretty. And I was sitting there in the lobby and there were all these pets around me and they were so scared. They were really, really frightened. It was so sad. There was this little Yorkie mix just quivering in his owner's lap. There was a bird that was there that was making all sorts of unhappy noises. And there was a cat that was yowling in the other part of the vet's office. They have a kind of a split lobby, but I could hear it on the other half. And it really reminded me how important it is to make sure that your dog and cat and bird and whatever you take to the vet loves your vet's office as much as possible. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Most of my pets have always had a great, great experience at the veterinarian's office because I taught them to have great experience at the vet's office. My beloved Labrador Logan, he was like the Walmart greeter at my vet's office. He was so happy to be there because that's where hot dogs happen. He got tons of hot dogs every time we went to the vets. And so he would be in the lobby and he would be wagging and he'd be so excited when somebody would walk in. And it was so funny. I don't want to anthropomorphize too much, of course. That's not always healthy. But these poor stricken dogs would come in and look at Logan like he was a lunatic. Like, why are you happy to be here? And Logan was just so happy to be there. Finian does a great job there, too. Sawyer, not so much. Sawyer's my sensitive soul. So he gets a little anxiety sometimes when he goes. But for the most part, He is much more secure and happy there than a lot of the other pets that are there. Thing is, your pet is going to have to go to the vet for a lifetime. 
you're going to need wellness care, especially as they get older. They're going to have some issues that you may need to go see them more often than just once a year for shots and and a wellness check. If your dog ends up with an injury, they're going to have to go. So the more pleasant experience you can make it for your pet, it's so, so, so going to help you and your pet adjust better. Because when your pet is stressed, you're stressed. The vet gets stressed. Seeing you stressed is just a little stress ball. We don't need to do that. Now, it is easier to accomplish this task when you have a baby pet. If you have a puppy, if you have a kitten, socialization visits are critical. I find it hard sometimes to convince clients to do this. I think it's because it's kind of a hassle. You got to go to the vet for no reason. (laughs) You have to go to the vet and you do have a reason, but there's not a health reason involved. You don't need to get a shot or you don't have to have your animal checked out. And so I think people think, well, you know, I got to get in the car and I got to fight traffic and I got to go to the vet's office. I got to walk around and I've got to do this and then I got to get back in the car and go home. And I know that it can be a hassle sometimes depending on the traffic and how far you have to go to your favorite veterinarian. Worth the drive, by the way. But it will pay off in a lifetime. Remember, critical socialization period for puppies is up to about 16 weeks. Kittens are even younger. So the more happy visits they can go to the vet at that time, the more they're going to like going there. And if you think about it, when they're babies like that, it's not always fun. They need lots of shots. They need lots of shots. They're having their temperature taken maybe for the first time, and that's not pleasant for a pet. And all sorts of invasive things happen to them. So that's why they associate the vet's office with a negative place. So you need to counter that. And what you do is you go for a happy vet visit when nothing has to be done to your pet. Most veterinarian staff would love to help you with this because they want your pet to love them. They want them to be happy to see them. It's also easier to take care of them. I'll talk about that later on in the show, about the pets that already hate the vet and the vet's office and what to do about that. But if you can prevent it, you are going to be saving yourself so much heartache. So you're going to take your puppy or your kitten and you're going to bring the favorite treats absolute favorite treats, little hot dogs or little kitten treats, whatever makes your particular pet just purr or just wag. Then you go in, you walk around, you ask the vet techs who are available to please give your pet cookies, the treats. You walk around the lobby if it is available. You don't want to intrude. Again, most veterinary staff offices that I've encountered love to help you with this, but you don't want to just walk into somebody's appointment or you don't want to be intrusive when they're busy saving pets. So you want to make sure that you're careful. But you can ask them ahead of time too. You can call and say, when's your least busiest time and can I come by with my puppy for a socialization visit? And they'll tell you, oh, Thursday's at noon or we're open Saturday mornings, come then. If there is the setup at your vets where you can get on the scale with your pet, put your puppy on the scale, encourage your puppy to get on the scale, don't force anything if they're scared, lots of cookies on the scale. A lot of dogs don't like the scale. It moves under their feet and that feels weird and and so they get a little nervous about it. So get them on the scale. For cats, get them on one of the little cat scales, the little small puppy and the baby scales basically. Give them lots of treats. Make sure you're fussing over them and making sure that they know that they're beautiful on the scale. Really praise them for all this interaction. Again, the staff, most of them are going to scoop your puppy up or your little kitten up and go cuddle it and love on it and pass it around and give it lots of treats because they love animals. That's why they went into the business that they did. So if you do that often enough, And, you know, just a couple times a week even, during that critical socialization period, your pet 
will have some great happy visits to counter the not-so-happy visits that they have to put up with. They're going to need shots. They're going to need their temp taken. They may need to have blood drawn for whatever reason, heartworm or whatever. And those aren't fun. So you're going to use it as a training opportunity without those invasive procedures. And when you do go for your regular checkups... When they do have to have things done to them, bring your clicker, bring your cookies, make it fun. When my dogs are young, and honestly, I continue this pretty much up through adulthood, every time blood is drawn, they're getting cheese. <laughs> every time the temperature is taken, they're getting a cookie. So they hardly even notice that it's happening because they're getting these wonderful treats. And I'm very, very fortunate. I have a wonderful veterinarian, Sunset Animal Clinic in West Columbia, South Carolina. They are awesome. They have taken care of so many of my pets. And they are always willing to work with me in terms of behavior. They are there primarily to make sure that your pet is physically healthy. But smart veterinarians are worried about behavior as well. So please ask your vet staff, ask your vet to work with you to make these experiences less traumatic, especially when they're puppies. Other things to get the little ones used to, the stethoscope. Some puppies want to chew on them. Don't let them chew on them. You can even get stethoscopes yourself. You can order them and practice at home. What I also like to do is teach them to love a mat. I get a bath mat. I do this in my group classes. It needs to be a mat big enough so that they can stretch out and lie down on. And I prefer rubber-backed mats. You don't have to buy anything from a designer collection. You can go to your local dollar store and pick up a little bath mat like you put in your bathroom. Non-skid bath mat. What you do is you keep it up. You keep it put up because puppies are going to chew on it. They're going to pee on it. What you do is for every meal time, you put the mat down, you put the food bowl on the mat, they eat the food, it's very exciting, then the food bowl goes up and so does the mat. Randomly throughout the day, put the mat down, throw a handful of really yummy treats on it, have your puppy, your kitten go eat all the treats, then put the mat up. What's going to happen is that your pet learns to love this mat. They're going to be like Linus from the Peanuts. Remember Linus? He had a blankie. That's what they're going to be like. They're going to love this mat. Well, when it's time to go to the vet's office, if it's a small pet and they have to be on that slippery, scary table, you put the mat down there first. It's non-skid. It's got a rubber back. They have their blankie that they already feel safe on. They're not sliding around. They don't feel as unsafe, and they can have a more pleasant vet visit. Then, because it's a bath mat, you take it home and throw it in the washing machine. It's machine washable. If you have a larger pet that doesn't go up on the table, put it on the ground. Vet is going to examine your dog on the ground, so on the floor, so have it on the floor. Makes them feel secure, makes them feel a little bit safer. It smells like them. They know it's their mat, and it gives them a little bit better traction so they feel a little bit safer. A lot of animals at the vet's office feel out of control. There's things being done to them. Sometimes they don't feel well depending on why you're there. So bring their blankie. Bring their blankie so that they feel a little bit more comfortable. In my classes, we also teach dogs to go settle on their mats, like the doorbell rings and you send your dog to go lie down on the mat so it's not mauling your guests. So the mat can be used for lots of different things. You can also use a bed, an official dog or cat bed if you want to, but make sure it's machine washable because after it's been back from the vet's office, you want to go ahead and throw it in the wash, especially if you're bringing your pet there because he or she is sick. So what if it's too late and your puppy is no longer a puppy and they've grown up? And you didn't think to do all these things. Well, that's okay. You're not in the minority. A lot of people don't even think to socialize their dog or cat to the vet's office. You can use those same techniques with adult dogs. It's never too late to train your dog. 
What you're going to notice, though, is that if your dog already doesn't like the vet, it's going to be a little harder sell, a little harder sales job to convince them. So you're going to bring the really good treats, bring some steak, bring some grilled chicken, make sure that the treats are awesome and use the same techniques. Bring your pet there when they don't have to have anything done to them. Give them lots of cookies, ask the staff to give them lots of cookies and then go home. You don't have to be there for 20 minutes. You can be there for five. So it doesn't have to take a lot of time out of your day. But you can definitely do these same techniques with an adult dog or an adolescent dog. Just know that you may have some habits we got to undo and you may have to be a little bit more convincing. But it's still worth it because hopefully we have them forever. They are never with us long enough. We lose them far too soon. But if you are fortunate enough to have a 14-year-old dog, a 15-year-old dog, my beloved cat lived to 18. So that's a lot of years at the vet's office. So this is totally worth it. I promise you. So everybody this week, I want you to go out and have a happy vet visit. I had some unhappy vet visits this past week. So I want all of you to have some happy vet visits because they're so much more fun for us too. Unhappy vet visits are when they cost a lot of money because your pet is sick and they are trying hard to get them well. So think of each vet visit that you take as a training opportunity, whether you're just doing your socialization job or you're trying to convince an older dog that the vet is his friend. Make sure that you always have your dog on leash. I've seen people just let their dogs off leash at the vet's office. What is that about? That is not safe. Make sure that your cat, even if you have a friendly, sweet, affectionate snuggle cat, put him in a carrier because you can't control the environment. Somebody who lets their dog off leash is going to jump up on you with your cat in your lap. Your cat is not going to appreciate it. So put your cat in a carrier. When I was at the vet's the other day, this gentleman brought in his parrot in the parrot cage. He had the whole cage there. So make sure your pet is secure, whether it's on leash or in a carrier. Small dogs can come in a carrier too. Also, another tip is don't let other dogs approach your dog at the vet's office. When I did my pet peeve show, I talked about how that drives me nuts. People, you have your pet there and people just let their dog or whatever run up in your dog's face. It's not safe, especially if one of the dogs is contagious. Not a good plan. But think about the cat in a carrier. You've got a cat that's not feeling well, you're a responsible pet owner, you bring your kitty in the carrier and somebody lets this big Great Dane go sniff the carrier. I don't know why people do that either. Even though your cat is safe in his little den, he's trapped there and he may not feel so safe anymore while this giant head is approaching him and checking him out. So don't let people do that. Just body block him. Go stand in between or say, please move your dog, pick up the carrier, put it in your lap if you have to. Make sure that you're protecting your pet because they're already stressed being at the vet's office. Also, don't let people pet your dog or cat if they're stressed. If you know that your dog is going to be okay with it, if you know your cat is going to be okay with it, that's one thing. But people, sometimes your animal's just a magnet and you're there because they don't feel well. This happened to Sawyer. Now, Sawyer is gorgeous. I'm completely biased in saying this, but he is. He's absolutely handsome. And his illness has not in any way impacted his handsomeness. He's still a handsome dog, but he's sitting in the lobby. He's stressed. He's my drama queen. He doesn't feel well. And this woman goes, oh my gosh. And she just comes for him. And I stopped her and I said, hold on a second. I said, I'm sorry. He's not feeling well. And then Sawyer, you know, kind of approached her a little bit. And then I saw that he was fine. I said, okay, well now you can pet him. 
So you're going to have to be proactive and you may have to do some body blocking because not everybody has <laughs> inhibitions and sometimes they just see your pet and they love it so much and they're so enamored of it on site and they want to touch it and maybe that's not the appropriate thing to do. So when you go to the vet's office, in addition to teaching your pet that it's a safe place and he can trust the vet, you also need to teach him that it's a safe place to trust other people and other dogs too. And you might have to set up a little barrier around them to make sure that people don't overstep their bounds, let's just say, or allow their pets to overstep the bounds. What about dogs that have an incident at the vets? Maybe they're very friendly at home, but maybe something happened at the vets and they growled or snapped or bit and now they got the little sticker in their chart that marks them for life. What about those pets? Maybe they didn't get the socialization as puppies. Maybe it was just a one-time thing. I'm going to talk to you about those pets when we come back. So stay tuned. You're listening to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friends. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. We've been talking about making the veterinarian's office clinic a happy, happy, happy place. And sometimes it doesn't work out how we plan. I was thinking this is many, many years ago. I had a wonderful three-legged dog. You've heard me talk about Cody before if you're a listener, a regular listener. Cody was a Labrador retriever. He had three legs. And he did very well on his three legs. He never let it stop him. I was told to treat him like a regular dog, so I did. And he was amazing. He was very agile, and the faster he went, the more coordinated he was. He was missing his front left leg. But as he got older, he developed severe hip dysplasia, both hips. 
that is a crippling disease in dogs where the hip socket and the hip don't really match anymore. They don't line up. It's arthritic and it gets very, very painful. There are lots of treatments for hip dysplasia. You start probably with just medication to try to ease the discomfort. Everything all the way up to surgery. And there's several different surgeries that they can do. Well, surgery was an option, was not an option for us because he only had three legs. I didn't have a spare. So if I put you know one of the hips out of commission, he only had two legs to stand on. He was a big dog, so it was not really an option for us for surgery. So I had a wonderful team of veterinarians working with him, and we got him on some painkillers, and he did really well for a while. And then we reached a point where he didn't do well. He was taking the maximum dosage of medication that he could take that was safe for him, and it just wasn't keeping up with the pain. He was arthritic, and he hurt. And the thing that's just evil about hip dysplasia is... Because the hips are painful, the dog automatically compensates with other parts of the body. Have you ever broken a leg? Have you ever broken a foot? And you've got the foot in the cast or you're wearing that annoying boot. I've had to do the boot before and you're on crutches and your opposite leg hurts, like your opposite hip or maybe it's your shoulder or opposite side. And that part of your body wasn't broken, but it's been compensating for the one that's broken. You're shifting your weight. You're automatically shifting your weight off the painful part. And so you end up with muscle spasms and tight muscles and pain in other parts of your body. Well, the same thing happens in dogs. If there's a part that's injured, other parts try to take over and those can become injured. So because Cody had severe hip dysplasia, both hips, also because he was a three-legged dog and a lot of the weight was on one leg in the front, he developed really bad arthritis in his front elbow. His front elbow was awful. Oh my gosh, the x-ray, even I could see on the x-rays and I am not a radiological expert by any means. The x-rays were awful. And so he developed a lot of uh, tense muscles and other issues with his muscles because the muscles were working so hard to compensate for the parts of his body that were damaged. He was getting worse on and of course it's never fun to see them get old and get infirm and a good friend of mine who is a veterinarian technician recommended that I see a rehabilitation vet. They're much more popular now than they were then back in the day when I was raising Cody. I never heard tell of such a thing and I realized that I had gone as far as traditional medicine could go with him. And this particular vet that she recommended did acupuncture and she did chiropractic treatments and she had lasers and she had the, I don't know what you call them. It's the pools, the swimming pools that have the jet streams in them so you can swim and swim and never reach the other side. She had all this stuff in a beautiful facility and she recommended that I go see her. Her name is Dr. Maria Glinsky. I cannot say enough wonderful things about her. I don't think she's any longer practicing anymore. But I will tell you that I was a little nervous about going. I didn't know anything about acupuncture. I'd never tried it before. But for my dog, I was willing to do anything. And it was amazing. I am a fan of the needles now, let me tell you. I had my doubts back then. But after one acupuncture treatment and one chiropractic treatment, Cody was a different dog. And the thing about hip dysplasia and his front shoulder muscles and his front elbow is that he became roach-backed. And that's a term for when the dog is curved, when the back is completely curved. Think of when a cat gets angry, they arch their back. Well, that's what happens because all those muscles are contracting. Well, after his first acupuncture treatment, his back was flat. And I couldn't tell you the last time I saw that he had a flat back. It was miraculous. Anyway, this wonderful rehabilitation veterinarian, Dr. Glinsky, kept my boy pain-free for the last couple years of his life. And I will be forever grateful for her for that. 
But the treatments were not for every dog. Because I remember Cody was a doll baby. He was a sweetheart. He was a therapy dog. He was a nationally award-winning therapy dog. And he would be lying there in the vet's office with all these needles sticking out of him, right? And he just lay there. He got cheese. He would hold it down, stay for 30 minutes, 40 minutes while these needles were in his head. She had one like in the, right, right in his forehead and then all along his tail, all along his side. And the hardest thing that I had to deal with Cody was whenever she would come into the room to check on him or a vet tech would come into the room, he would wag his tail and the needles would ping out, ping, 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 ping. And I'd have to hold his tail still so that the needles would hold still because he was just so happy to see them. And I remember asking her once, oh, like, how do you treat pets that don't allow this? Like, Cody would hold it down, stay for a long time. He was very laid back. He was very sweet, very affectionate, and very trusting. And so he let us do these things to him. And she said, she just got this really sad look on her face. I'll never forget. And she says, I can't. And it really struck me then because I realized that if you don't have a pet that is social and a pet that is friendly and laid back and willing to trust you enough to do these things to, they can't get treatment. And that has got to be heartbreaking as a veterinarian. It's heartbreaking to me as a pet owner to think that because of behavior that my dog couldn't get treatment. And I do know that that's probably why some pets do have to leave us sooner than others is simply because the treatment would be more traumatic for them simply because of their behavior and and their temperaments than the actual treatment for a dog that doesn't have that. So that's another reason why I'm imploring you to please make these vet visits as happy as possible because we want to keep them as long as we can. And if it's going to be an acupuncture treatments and you're able to do them, let me tell you, the stuff really works. If you go to a, a reliable veterinarian who's going to know what they're doing, you don't just stick a needle in. I learned that too. But it was really an amazing experience. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm very glad that I put the work into these pets ahead of time because I don't know what I would do if you certainly don't want the treatment for your pet to be worse. And some, I know some people that can't even take their dog into the vet's office. They have to stay in the car. And I'm not disparaging that. Sometimes it's better for your dog to stay in the car. And if that's for your dog, then that's what you need to do to make it as less stress-free as possible. And yay to the vets who go out to the car. I think that's awesome. But wow, if there's ever an invasive procedure that needs to be done to that pet, unless they're tranquilized, you can't do it. And that's just sad. That's just really scary. So we want to work to avoid that as much as possible. There's also instances when you don't have, or maybe you do have a really social, friendly, confident pet, but one day at the vet's office, they're not. And this happened to a client of mine recently. This is wonderful clients. They have a Bernadoodle, Bernese Mountain Dog Poodle Mix. And he is such a sweetheart. He's a big doofus of a dog. He's huge. (laughs) He's an adolescent, huge, sweet dog. And he had ear infections. And so they took him to the vet and the vet staff had him in a corner just by happenstance. And they went to examine his ears and he growled. And so what did the vet staff do? They put a muzzle on him, which was the right thing to do. Was it my client's fault that their dog growled? No. I have the best clients. I'm just saying. They're awesome. It wasn't their fault. He had never growled before. They were floored. They had never heard him growl. Here's a dog that is in pain. His ears hurt. He's in the vet's office. And even though he's been fine at the vet's office up until now, he doesn't feel good. When we don't feel good, we lash out. Pets are the same. So 
he growled. Growling is wonderful. I've told you this before again for my regular listeners. We love growls. Growl is a communication. Don't ever punish your dog for growling. You don't want them to skip the growl and go straight to the bite. You want them to growl at you and let you know that they're upset. And that's what he was doing. He said, I'm upset. I don't like this. So they put a muzzle on him. And they were able to examine his ears. He had to go for follow-up. He's got the sticker in his chart now, so they automatically put the muzzle on. So what do you do? You thought you had a friendly dog. You're devastated. He wasn't friendly to the vet. The vet was only doing what they needed to do. If that happens to you, don't beat yourself up. I still recommend happy vet visits because we have some undoing to do. Okay, We still need to make sure that your vet is a happy place for your dog. But I strongly encourage you to muzzle train your dog. I'm a big fan of muzzles. It keeps everybody safe. And they don't have to have the stigma attached to them. What you're going to do is you're going to get a basket type muzzle. The muzzles they use in the vet's office are usually mesh and they're very restricting because they don't want to get bitten. And I don't want anybody to get bitten either. But for training purposes, once you get a basket muzzle, these have holes in them that are big enough that your dog can drink water and that you can give your dog treats. And that's what you want. You'll still keep everybody safe. They can't bite anybody, but you're going to be able to train with it better. What you're going to do is you're going to take the muzzle and you're going to smear the inside of it with peanut butter or cream cheese and encourage your dog to stick his nose in the muzzle and lap up the peanut butter and cream cheese. When your dog is shoving his head in that muzzle, then you snap the muzzle on, you attach it only for a few seconds, you give him lots of treats, and then you immediately take it off. And then you just do that over and over, gradually build up the amount of time that they have to wear the muzzle. Make it a really happy experience. When the muzzle is on, you are going to pour affection on that dog. Oh, you're so handsome. You look so good in your muzzle. Look, oh, isn't You make a really big deal about it. When the muzzle comes off, be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Not forever, just for a couple seconds, maybe a minute or two. You want all that attention, all that flattery, all that wonderful cookies to happen with the muzzles on and teach your dog to love the muzzle. Then what you do is before the vet visit, you put the muzzle on the dog. The dog wears the muzzle to the vet so it's not a traumatic experience that they have this muzzle slapped on them in the vet's office. There's nothing wrong with veterinary staff who have to do that. That's protocol. We don't want anyone to get bitten. It will be healthier for your dog to love his muzzle first, wear it all the way to the vet's office, and then it's not compounded by the injury or illness that brought you there in the first place. So think about muscle training. You can get some in in different colors. You can bedazzle it if you want to. You can put little rhinestones on it so that you're not traumatized. But try to have a positive experience with it yourself because if you don't like the muzzle, your dog's going to know it and is going to get kind of negative about the muzzle too. If you have a situation where It's going to be a difficult visit. I also was at the veterinarians recently with a friend of mine. I was there for moral support. Her wonderful golden retriever has been diagnosed with cancer. And she had gone to the veterinary oncologist to discuss treatment plans. And she asked me to come because I have been through that myself. I have had several pets with cancer. And I volunteered to go and say, you know, I'll sit there and I'll hold your hand and I'll, I'll be there for moral support. And basically... Don't be afraid to ask for that because we want your pets to have a good vet visit, but I want you to have as good a vet visit as you possibly can with these difficult ones. Bring a list of questions because when you're upset and when they're telling you things that you don't want to hear, you're going to forget half of what you meant to ask. That's what I do. So bring a list of questions. If you get the list done ahead of time, send it to the vet ahead of time. Ask, you know, is there an email address you can send it to so they can prepare and see where your head is at and what kind of questions that you're going to ask. That is a great idea. That's what my friend did. I thought, 
thought it was brilliant. But make sure that you are as prepared as you can be to ask about options and bring a friend if it's going to make you feel better. Sometimes your friend's going to point out things that you may not, may help you remember things that she may not, and just be there as moral support. We all go through this pet love together and, and the lives that we share with us. So bring a friend if you need to do that. And there are so many specialists now that weren't in the day. There are veterinary oncologists and veterinary neurologists and veterinary this, that, and the other thing. It is wonderful what veterinary medicine is coming to these days. And uh, don't think that just because your dog does get a scary diagnosis that it's the end. It's not necessarily the end. So there's a lot of hope out there now that that didn't used to be there. I teased my vet the other day when I was there that he was one of my longest relationships outside of family. I've been with this vet for many, many years, and um, we were laughing about that, too. You need to build a good relationship with your vet. When you find a great one, it is wonderful. You follow them everywhere when they move practices. There are good vets out there. There are bad ones out there. It's a really hard job. They don't have the luxury of asking their patients what's wrong. The patients can't tell them. The patients can sometimes show them. But a lot of times, it's a guessing game, simply just trying to diagnose. They don't have the benefit of patients that can give them a full history, Uh, especially if you get a rescue or you bring a dog in and they've never seen it before. They don't know the background of that dog. And so it's really a very difficult job. I have a lot of admiration for veterinary medicine. When you work together, give and take, it makes it a lot better for the dog. And it's a great relationship and one that you should put in your top 10 relationships and make sure that you are satisfied with your veterinarian and that you are working as a partner with your veterinarian. Make sure that they listen to you and they're willing to answer your questions because they should be. And hopefully, if you do all these things, you will have a healthy 2015. I think we should all vote for less vet visits. Not that I don't love my vets. I just want to see them for maintenance. I really don't want to see them for illness. So I hope that this has been helpful to you. I also want to thank my producers for making the show happen. If you're interested in finding me, asking questions or comments about the show or suggesting ideas for future shows, please do. You can reach me at Teoti, T-E-O-T-I at PetLifeRadio.com. You can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Anderson. And the website is GetPositiveResults.com. That's positive, P-A-W, GetPositiveResults.com. If you'd also like more training tips, I've got two new books on the market. One is Dog Fancy, Ultimate Guide to Dog Training, and the other is Animal Planet's Dogs 101 Dog Training. So you'll find lots of tips on general training ideas in those books. Thank you again for tuning in to Get Positive Results. This has been Teodi Anderson, and you're listening to Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.